Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda, wife to one, mom to eight, Nana to nine, and 26-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, which is a devotional written specifically for homeschool moms, and The 4-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life. And that book is kind of like an expanded version of The Unhurried Homeschooler. So if you've read The Unhurried Homeschooler and you're like, I really liked that, I'd love more of that, The 4-Hour School Day definitely would qualify as like an expanded version of The Unhurried Homeschooler. So I encourage you to check out those three books. You can find them on Amazon. You can find them on my website, DorendaWilson.com. And you can find The 4-Hour School Day at pretty much any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the couple of places that I mentioned. I also wanted to let you know that I have an online community where I am mentoring moms and we are talking about homeschooling. We are talking about specifically unhurried homeschooling, simplifying, Um, but listen in for just a minute to hear a little bit more about this online community. Have you ever heard the phrase, more isn't better, sometimes it's just more? The Simply Unhurried community is here to unburden you, to help you find joy in slowing down and simplifying your homeschooling so you can enjoy this journey with your kids. A while back, I created the Unhurried Homeschooler Mentoring Course. Throughout these videos, I help moms understand what it looks like to take a more simple, unhurried approach to homeschooling at all the different grade levels. This video course is free to all members of the Simply Unhurried community. You can watch the videos at your own pace or jump into a group that's watching them together and discussing them along the way. In addition to the course, you'll find other topics like general homeschooling, unhurried homeschooling at all age levels, and homeschooling struggling learners, as well as resources, practical tips, and conversation that will inspire and encourage you. So please click the link in the show notes and begin to find what you need to simplify, slow down, and love the homeschooling life that God's given you. Well, I'm excited today because I am going to talk to you about a mistake that I recently made. You know, a lot of times when someone is a mentor, it can be very easy to think that they don't struggle or they don't make big mistakes or, uh, you know, anything like that. And nothing could be further from the truth. I am so much on a learning curve right with the rest of you, just in a different season. Um, And the reason that I wanted to share this mentoring mom mistake is because uh, I needed to realign your uh, thinking on what the online community is that I've created because I actually had to tweak it based on this mentoring mom mistake. Um, so, and I also wanted to share some really important reminders about um, what we expect from online resources and the part of the local church, the importance of the part of the local church in our lives as believers. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, a lot of times I talk about homeschooling, but, you know, our our lives as believers, as homeschooling, uh, believing homeschooling families 
um, very much uh, involves our faith. And so if there's something that I feel like I need to talk about that is going to bless you, give you direction, give you clarity when it comes to your faith, that's all going to have a domino effect on uh, your homeschooling, on how you're raising your kids and all of that. So that's why today I wanted to talk about my mentoring mom mistake. So several months ago, my son and I and my husband all were talking about just the need for moms to be mentored, Um, just the lack of Titus II women in the church. For some reason, the church has really deviated from that particular biblical principle and um, it's 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 sad because it's really so necessary. And I think a couple of things have happened. Um, we have gotten so much online information now that I think that sometimes the the younger generation who has grown up with the internet, Uh, is very dependent on the internet, thinking, well, whatever I need to find, I can find there. And there's no risk involved because there's no relationship involved. Whereas when you get involved in a mentor relationship, a real life mentor relationship with someone, there's all kinds of opportunity for misunderstandings, miscommunication, um, just, uh, just a lot of different things. And so it almost feels safer to just stick to online. And I totally get that. Like that in my own human nature is the safest thing to do because it seems like we prevent so much hurt and all of that just by going, getting what we need and then just, you know, staying home and implementing whatever we learn and and not really having any kind of risk, like I mentioned before. So I was thinking to myself, oh my goodness, you know, I get so many emails and messages from moms who saying there is, I can't find a mentoring mom. Um, So it's not let me just also say it's not just the generation that's grown up with the internet and just the fact that our culture in general is very dependent on the internet. We've switched um, to that for most of our information rather than to a multi-generational uh, perspective, which is really biblical. Um, but also the older moms, this is what I'm finding. And I found this true as I was raising our kids it was so hard to find a mom who was willing to let me into her life and let me learn from her. And I do, I did periodically, um, there was at one point in my life, I lived in an area where there were quite a few homeschooling families and that we had gotten to know. And so we did what was called a once a month Titus II meeting. And so these moms, we would all gather together, all ages. It could be teen daughters all the way through great grandmas. And we would just get together and talk about what our challenges were, um, how we could biblically address um, the things we were struggling with, uh, encourage one another, pray with one another. And it was just once a month. I'm actually starting that again at my house. Um, Now in this new season, in this new place that we live with this church that we're involved in, that we've uh, been involved in for, you know, that just started a little over a year ago. Some of you have seen the pictures of the barn on Instagram just loving, loving, loving this little church. But anyhow, even if, um, even back then when we did the Titus II meeting, when my children were all young, uh, we didn't actually have a good church that we were going to at the time. And so this Titus II meeting was just a lot of moms, not all from the same church, um, which was also really cool because we had just a lot of different, um, you know, there was just a, a diversity. We were, were, it didn't feel like a click is what I'm saying. Um, other than the fact that we were all homeschoolers. <laughs> 
<laughs> so anyway, I guess I'm throwing that out there because that's that's an idea if um, that that God may lead you to do is just and it you don't have to invite just the women from your church. Um, you can invite the women in your community in your homeschooling community. Um, my hope is always that you know some moms would come that weren't homeschooling and would. Um, find good fellowship there, and we would be able to really, you know, um, invite them into the homeschooling community and and um, just have fellowship with them, you know. So anyway, so back to my story. I'm thinking back about how so many years I there was no mentoring mom. I actually asked a mom once who had 10 kids who was homeschooling, and I loved her family and so respected them. And I asked her if I could come to her house and just, you know, watch her as she, you know, what would, you know, just managed her home, just homeschooled her kids, and she wouldn't let me come. And I've, it was uh, very disappointing to me because I really, really had a desire to learn. And so, um, my point is that again, it's not just the dependency on online, but there's also these older moms in the church who are just doing their thing. That's what I'm hearing a lot from moms. Older moms who are just not interested at all in mentoring younger moms who didn't necessarily stay home, didn't necessarily homeschool. And and they don't have to have done that in order to be a good mentoring mom. They can pass on what they do, you know, what they do have in common and, and spiritual truths and biblical principles, regardless of whether they homeschooled um, and, you know, or they didn't homeschool and you do. But the, in general, there's an unwillingness to take the time with the younger moms. And then I'm thinking, um, how teachable are the younger moms? How willing are the older moms. I think that's something else we're running into. So all that to say, I thought, you know what, I would love to provide, you know, an online community for these moms and just try to be that mentoring mom. And we can talk about faith and we can talk about parenting. And um, I can have a, a topic section where I read books out loud to their kids, you know, kind of trying to replace the grandma that isn't there. And I just thought this is going to be so great. And then, so we started the community, had several people in there, and I just was continually finding myself completely overwhelmed, not able to keep up with the different topics that needed new content. And then I was getting, you know, just um, as I was trying to bear the burdens with these moms, I was getting more information than I could handle um, in terms of what was going on in their personal life. And j just not all of them, but there were just, you know, it, it's a place where moms felt like, okay, I could, somebody's finally listening. I want to share my heart. I really want to connect. And I was encouraging this. And, but then I was finding myself totally overwhelmed, completely burdened. And I was like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm failing at this. And I really wanted to provide a blessing for these moms. And I just feel like I'm failing. And it was just like, okay, I got to go. I, I need, I need answers. I need you to lead me in all of this. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to talk to, um, I'm going to talk to one of the elders at our church. Now, when I say elders, um, I think a lot of people might think that I go to a Latter-day Saints church because they talk about elders. They usually refer to the leadership in their church as elders. Um, I do not attend an LDS church. Um, I, uh, we attend a church at the barn. And if you're going to, I asked my, uh, one of our elders to describe our church. 
I'm like, what are we? You know, <laughs> so how do you how do you categorize our church? Are we we're not a denomination, so how do I tell people what our church is? And he said, I would say that in our ecclesiology we are Reformed Baptist, in our liturgy we are Presbyterian, and in our potlucks we are Southern Baptist. <laughs> and I love that. I think that's a perfect description. But anyway, um, so what that means is that. Um, we're not any one certain denomination. We do not. We do not have a head pastor. What we have is what is called a plurality of elders, and so all the elders in our church take turns teaching, and so there's no um, uh, temptation towards hierarchy where there's one lead pastor who's kind of like the top dog, and what he says kind of goes. There's a. There's a. There's an equal level playing field of leadership and of also alternative or um, taking turns teaching. So I just wanted to explain that so you're not confused as to what I'm talking about. So I talked to one of the elders and I told him what was happening. And I said, you know, you you understand ministry. He's been in ministry for a really long time. Um, So what would be your advice in this situation? And so I'm going to read to you what he told me because we did this through text. The first thing he said is this, the biggest thing is to stay in your lane. Don't try to fill the role of their husband, pastor, or local church community. Broadcasting our teaching and forming online groups is a wonderful supplement, so long as it remains a supplement. And then he spoke to the problem of, you know, maybe oversharing that was happening that can easily happen online. He said when people get to the point of sharing those kinds of concerns with strangers, it usually means one of two things. Number one, they don't have the local on-the-ground support system that they need, so they are trying to get it from somewhere else. Or two, they are afraid to share the reality of their situation with the people who actually know them and could speak into the situation up close and personal. He said this, if I were you, I would always make a point to reiterate the absolute necessity of the local and the personal. Their pastor may not be the best communicator or even the most theologically astute, but one thing he is that you aren't is accessible. And he totally nailed that to the wall because as much as I love the women in our community and I am getting to know them, I don't know them in real life. I've Most of them I've not met. I, ha- I don't spend time with their families. I don't see the family dynamics. I don't have history with them. And so really, I was out of my lane is what was happening. And you know, it's funny because some people might be offended by that. You know, when someone says, hey, you need to stay in your lane. I was not. I was so relieved to hear him say that because I knew he was right. I had put myself in a position that I should not have put myself in because our burdens in ministry, and this is what he said, our burdens in ministry most often come when we are or when others are trying to get us to step into a role that belongs to someone else, whether it's a spouse, extended family, pastor, or local church community. And so... 
That is so true. Even in our friendships, sometimes our friends are asking us for things that they should be asking for from their husbands. They are asking us questions that they should go to their husbands with first. And a lot of you, um, some of you who have emailed me about personal things, um, you probably know this about me, that my number one response, I try to always make this my number one response, what does your husband say? Because the last thing that I want to do is come between or add to an an argument, a disagreement, a division that has happened between man and a wife. What does the scripture say? What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Who am I to even unknowingly add to that division between a husband and a wife. So I always ask the wife first, what does your husband say? And then when she answers, I take very seriously what her husband says, and I bear in mind his leadership role in that family. That is not my role. That is his role. None of our husbands do it perfectly. And we all go through different seasons where sometimes our husbands need to you know, we need to let them make that final decision as is their role and let them experience whatever comes after that. And and that is our job as wives to let them lead. And so again, I need to be careful not to step out of my lane. Now, that's not to denigrate. Um, He was talking about, you know, making sure, this elder was talking about making sure um, that these, that we stay in our lane and we're not allowing people to get us to step into a role that belongs to someone else. But he's saying that's not to denigrate the helpfulness of supplements. So the online things that we find um, are can be super helpful, but we need to keep them in their place. Supplements are only helpful when they are actually used supplementally. And I think about that in terms of um, vitamin supplements. We cannot be sustained on vitamin supplements only, right? They're, They're only there to fill in our hopefully nutritionally dense food that we are eating on a regular basis. They're just an add-on. They're just a thing to sort of complete, you know, complete what we're eating because we might be lacking a little bit in our, you know, in the food that we're eating, right? So supplements cannot replace nutritionally dense meals, right? That's what we're shooting for, is thinking about these online uh online ministries, online things as supplements. Um, and this is where I think that many of us have gone awry. I did. Um, I, I was, I mean, I knew the importance of the local church and real life relationships, but I wasn't really understanding fully what that meant. And this particular scenario was such a great learning experience for me. Um, because what I think is happening is we're trying to find online what can only be found by being part of a local church, a local, whether that's all in one church, you know, when I say the church, I mean the church universal. Like I have friends that I fellowship with and have wonderful fellowship with that do not go to my church. And that is all, that is absolutely included in that term, um, don't forsake uh, basically the fellowship, fellowshipping with the saints. They are part of that. They are part of that in my life. And so um, we need to not keep a strictly narrow view of what that means. We need to think about what the church is um, universally. The church is, um, 
you know, involves many different denominations, um, you know, as long as they are um, biblically sound and rooted in the gospel and in um, biblical truth. Um, and our friends that we're fellowshipping with, our believers who are seeking to obey the Lord, um, absolutely fellowship with them is wonderful and should be part of that fellowship with the saints. Um, now, I'm going to share just a quick little story because I know that if I were listening to me um, 25 years ago, I would be saying right now, I live out in Timbuktu. There is no church close by that I believe is teaching solid biblical truth, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to handle this? Okay, so I know some of you are in that situation right now, and we know that um, when COVID happened, there was a huge filtering, and we realized that some churches that we thought were strong and rooted in biblical truth were actually not. Um, they shuttered their doors and for long periods of time and uh, misapplied the Romans 13 um, passage. And if you wonder what I'm talking about with that, go and listen to um, applying Romans 13 to the here and now. I will include um, that link in the podcast notes if you want to go back and listen to that. And you'll know more what I mean by that. But what we found is um, many people have found their own local church that they attended um, was not faithful um, in terms of gathering together and let fear get a grip. And uh, and in that, that was hard. That was hard for a lot of people. And I know a lot of people personally who went through that. We went through that personally. And so um, anyway, so... Uh, Back in the day, um, we were struggling trying to find a church that we could attend that we felt like would uh, had solid biblical teaching. And so with that in mind, I realized when I went to make uh, write the notes for this podcast that there was a gap there that I really had never gotten an answer to. Um, we, we struggled through those years of not really having uh, a church that we felt like— <sighs> was solid. Um, we, we went to one and then oh, everything imploded there in terms of biblical truth. And we just, we couldn't go back. And so I know many of you have had similar situations and circumstances or, and you're in maybe in one right now where you're like, I don't even know where to start. Like, I don't, I don't think there's anything close by. We've been to lots of different churches. So, so I reached out to one of the elders at our church, and I, I basically said this, what counsel would you give someone who cannot find a local church with a pastor that accurately, quote unquote, handles the word of truth? Because if this, if these, um, if this couple has a family, they potentially subject their children to false teaching by still attending. But if we're called to be part of a local body, what might that look like for someone like this? Because I have been in this situation and I really wanted to know his thoughts on this. And so here was his answer. Number one, I'd have them write down what handling the word of truth means and what their criterion is for determining whether or not that's being done. In the absence of a clear definition and a clear target, We'll default to our feelings and make decisions without any reliable metric guiding us. The second thing 
Once they have clearly defined what they're looking for and have run the churches they visited through the metrics that came from that definition, then I'd counsel them to settle for whichever church is closest to what they're looking for and tell them to prayerfully, humbly, and slowly work toward the reformation of the church they choose. Sounds messy and imperfect, doesn't it? We would all like to find that perfect church. We were there. We weren't looking for the perfect church, but we were looking for something a little closer to what we were hoping for and what we felt like was biblical. So I've, I've been there with you. So the, And then the third thing, if the churches they can reasonably be a part of, given the distance, are legitimately heretical, unorthodox synagogues of Satan— <laughs> pretty extreme there, isn't it? Then I would tell the husband to start a church. If all of the churches within 20 miles of them are in that condition, then a faithful one needs to be started. In the event that the third option is most applicable in their situation, I would then help them think through how that could be done, even if the husband is not gifted to teach and preach. Okay, and I would say we definitely moved that direction as a family when we were in this situation. We gathered together with some other believers that were struggling in the same way, and we just participated in the reading of the word, praise and worship that was, you know, just praise and worship that we pulled up um, and sang together with um, online praise. you know, again, gather because we're gathering for fellowship, right? We're not forsaking the gathering of the saints. Now, I believe that that is true um, in terms of each Sunday being in some sort of local church. We do get some of that fellowship also when we have other people over, when we're, um, you know, just fellowshipping over a meal together. But we don't want to forsake that Sabbath gathering. And then, of course, communion. God calls us in the word to participate, to remember. Um, One thing I love about our little church at the barn is we do that every single Sunday. And it is just a very much a part of our weekly worship. And I love that. And we need, we need that. It, you know, it can be easy to think, well, we don't have the smoke. We don't have the lights. We don't have all the perfect singers. We don't have the, you know, happening music. Can I just say, none of that is necessary for true worship. In fact, I think it can be a hindrance sometimes to true and meaningful worship. I think about people in other countries who walk literally for miles to attend a gathering with other believers in the heat, no air conditioning, or in the cold, which we do a little bit of that at the barn because there is no insulation, no heating system, and no air conditioning. And I have been amazed at how people still show up because it's about so much more than the perfect setting. It is about being faithfully obedient to gather together because I'm telling you, moms, this is how reformation happens. This is how it happens. Not ignoring the elephant in the room, which basically is that there are far too many unbiblical churches, not burying our heads in the sand in terms of admitting this, but standing on solid biblical truth when it comes to who the church is and what her role is. So we continue to live it out no matter what it looks like. You know, far less than our perfected vision of, you know, even our cultural vision of what that's supposed to look like. 
It can be such a beautiful thing to have very simple and very heartfelt and very imperfect services as we come together and we're in the word and we're taking communion and we're praising and we're praying and we're worshiping together. I'm going to include links Um, to a short series of messages that lay out the church's biblical role, who she is and why she exists. When the church at the barn started, that is where our elders began, laying the foundation um, so that we fully understood what the role of the church was. And so the beautiful thing about the links that I'm going to include is that there are transcript transcripts included. So if you're a reader or you want to more slowly go through the content, it's all there. So I welcome you to go and check those out. There's, there are about four of them that I'm going to share. There are more there, but I'm sharing what I think is most uh, pertinent to what I'm talking about today. But in admitting that there is a problem with, um, you know, in terms of there being too many unbiblical churches, We don't want to become part of the problem by trying to provide the ministry that the local church is called to provide. We cannot and should not try to be online what the church is called to be in real life. Um, And so back to my story, I realized um, when all of this was, I was processing and praying through all of this and feeling the relief of a burden lifted. And again, God simplifying what I had made way too complicated because I had stepped out of my lane. Once I wrapped my head around that and my uh, son and I, who he helps me with this community, he does all the technical part of it. um, We just basically, he looked at me, he said, mom, why don't you just narrow the topics to only homeschool related Um, And so that's what we did. We are focused strictly on homeschooling in the community. We talk about other things sometimes. Absolutely. There's there's freedom to do that. But our main focus is being homeschool related. So I've got all different categories. I've got the different age levels. Um, There's content for the different age levels, what simplifying and and slowing down looks like at the different, um, like I said, at the different grade levels. Um, But I've also added my mentoring course. This is the Unhurried Homeschooler mentoring course that I created a few years ago that's available online for $37. But if you're part of the community, it's free. Because what we've done is now we are starting groups that are going through it together. And I'm going through it with these groups so they can Y'all can ask me questions about anything along the way. So as you're listening to these videos, you're like, what does that even mean? How does that, how would that look like in my home? And here's my obstacle or my dilemma. And I'm there to help coach you through it. Other moms are there as well. And it's almost more like a team effort. And so um, because not only am I there, but all these other moms who have been walking it out and who are also learning to walk it out or who maybe have older kids and they they can give you um, different counsel than I could that's, that's a better fit for you. And so what I'm seeing now is what I wanted to see. Moms are connecting. They're really feeling encouraged. We're sharing resources. We're um, just walking alongside of each other, but it isn't super time consuming because where do you need to be? Mostly you need to be home engaged with your children, right? And with your families. And so do I. Like, it's so easy when you get past the uh, demanding child raising years 
to let something else take over your priorities. And so as I walked through this mentoring mom mistake, I am God has led me to a beautiful place where I am f- more fully engaged. My my priorities are back in order again. So my family, of course, is my first priority, but it's really being walked out on a daily basis. And I understand now where uh, what kind of time needs to be invested in my home and family and what I have left for online ministry and podcasting and that kind of thing. And God is beautifully arranging everything just perfectly so that I can walk in obedience to his priorities. Um, I realized, you know, as I was processing all of this, that I was so busy trying to maintain my online commitments that I wasn't available as a mentor at my own local church. Well, that's embarrassing, isn't it? That's not even biblical. (laughs) And I kind of knew it in the back of my mind, but I didn't know how to flip that. And so God graciously let me fall on my face, let me make this mistake, brought me good biblical counsel um, from the elder at our church, from my husband, and from my son, who is directly involved in all of this. And so now life is central. Online ministry is supplemental. And that's true for me. Um, and it's true for you too. It, we both need to keep that balance. And so the reason that I shared all of this with you is because I don't want you to expect more than you should from online resources. Again, think of them in terms of being supplemental. And I also wanted to make sure that um, that I was encouraging you towards your involvement and commitment to the local church. Because here's what I think, moms. If I were going to predict, guess, or just look at what I see and where I think things are going, that we need to prep for the future. And one of the best ways that we can do that is have our tribe of people, our on-the-ground tribe of people, people that you can count on and, and who can count on you, um, people that you can help provide resources for and they can provide resources for you. We do this for each other. And then we also will ob- obviously, as a body, continue that ministry to other people who are in need. This is what we're called to do as the body of Christ. Um, We recently had a family crisis that I cannot tell you about right now, but it is going to blow your mind what our family has walked through recently. And God has been so faithful and so kind and so gracious, but it was not anything I ever ever expected. Um, There has already been redemption. There has already been um, an amazing testimony, but there is more to come. And when the time comes, I will definitely share it with you um, because I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be equipped. Every time I talk to you, moms, my goal is that you walk away encouraged, not by me, per se, but by the Holy Spirit. And every time I record a podcast, I pray, God, please don't let me say anything that I shouldn't and help me to say everything that I should. But at the end of the day, it's not about me and how well I word things and how well I convey things, although I have um, a love for words and I and I 
I'm always working towards being a more effective communicator because I think that glorifies God. At the end of the day, it's the Holy Spirit that does the work. And so I'm. my prayer is that as you've listened to all of this, that you are thinking and praying about how you view your online resources versus what is your involvement in the local church and what steps might you need to be taking towards that. And the reason that I wanted to mention the recent crisis was not just to hook and bait you guys, but to tell you that as we, as this thing imploded in our family, um, for our family, it wasn't actually our family imploding. It was some an outside thing that was shoving its way into our lives. Um, I went through my list of contacts on my phone. And it's amazing when you are in a crisis and you go through that list and you see a person's name and you say, yes, I'm sharing it with that person. No, 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 no. Yes, yes, no, 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 no. Those yes people, those are your people. So maybe even be thinking about that. Who is your tribe? Who are your people? I have people long distance, but I also have people very local. And if all of your people are long distance, I would say that something might need to change and that you you might need to be, uh, you definitely need to be praying for the Lord to lead you to a local church or a local group of believers, um, whether that's in someone's home um, or, like I said, at a, at a local uh, local church community, um, that is where you're going to start. Moms, I know that it's mainly moms who are listening. Take this if this is if there's something here that you're like, ooh, this is definitely hitting home. I want you to go directly to two 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 places. First, uh, to the Lord, and to your husband. Okay, I want you to talk with him. I want you to talk with the Lord. I want you to talk with your husband. I want you to pray with your husband. And I want you to not just drop this. I want you to take this and move forward with it. And so um, listen to the podcast links that I'm sharing on here with your husband and talk about what you believe that God is calling you to do in your particular uh, circumstances. So um, that is all I have to share today. Thank you for being here with me. Um, Can I just say you guys are awesome? I have been getting a ton of messages and just encouragement from all of you. And what you all don't know is that we were walking through some serious fire while you all were saying, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for sharing. Please keep sharing. And so here I am. I'm back to the microphone and I'm sharing with you because God is so faithful and he is so worthy of our trust. I cannot wait to tell you about this testimony, you guys. It's 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 exciting and it's it's going to equip you as well. I want you all to walk away from every story that I tell, encouraged, um, feeling equipped, not in your own strength, but in the strength of the Lord, knowing that he is our rock and he is our high tower and nothing touches us that doesn't pass through his loving hands first. He is so faithful. And the very least that we can do is to be faithful 
to him. Now, I'm excited because I have a couple of podcasts coming up. Okay, so the last podcast I did, I talked about my eight C-sections. Again, that's another story to tell that I hope you walked away encouraged, and I hope you shared it with friends who might be in the same situation where they're feeling like they have to keep having C-sections, and what does this look like, and or first-time moms, or uh, whatever. Share that with them. The upcoming podcasts are going to be about um, how humility grounds and nourishes our soul. And the other one is on um, recovering the lost art of discernment. And although um, before I read this book, the, the person who's on these podcasts with me is an author. Before I read her books, I thought I knew what discernment was. And she really dialed in on it and made it clear. So, um, this is what we want to do. We want to walk in discernment. And so hopefully today's podcast will help you do that as you consider your relationship with the local church, whether or not you have a tribe of people on the ground, and how you're viewing your online resources. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for today. Thank you for your goodness to us, God. Oh, you are so faithful. You know that we're dust. Lord, we forget sometimes that you are God and we are not and that our posture before you should be a humble posture. And when it is, you bless it because we are we are living the life that we were fit and made for, and that is to worship. And so, God, worship isn't just about singing praises to you. It is about obedience. And so, God, may we be found faithful to walk in obedience to you, even when it's hard, even when it's challenging, even when it doesn't feel safe. We thank you that it is safe because you are good and you are faithful and you always, always um walk with your people. You never leave us and you never never forsake us. In Jesus' name, amen.